I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. Because there would be too many lettuces if there weren't snails. And those lettuces would choke each other. Now, of course, a human being comes in and starts organizing the lettuces, you see, so that the seeds don't propagate in the usual way because he puts them out in rows. And that's a different kind of a seed. And so he objects to the snails. But that's because he's looking at the problem of lettuces from a partisan point of view. And it's quite right that he should do so. What he may not see... Uh, because he's taken the side of lettuces against snails. He fails to see that conflict at one level is health at another. Just as conflict going on between microorganisms in your bloodstream is absolutely essential to the health of your organism as a whole. Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today's episode, I got to chat with a thought leader in the world of social interaction, Miss Susan Rowan. She wrote a seminal book in 1988, How to Work a Room. Probably most of you have heard of that one already. It's been passed around quite a bit. Um, really fun conversation. We get into the ins and outs of social interaction, how to be more effective with your communication. But you're right. If you're standing like this and trying to lot it over. Hey, I'm 4'11. You don't need to make lot it over. I get it, asshole. You're bigger than me. <laughs> you know, I kind of got that. Really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, hollow foam roller, screw-in lids, two different size myofascial release balls inside, heavy-duty elastic band, and a door anchor. So you can adjust the height of the band, decompress your joints, get your tissue moving, hydrated, the way it's supposed to. Thanks so much for utilizing the Amazon portal on the website. That's been awesome. People have been purchasing some stuff on there. I really greatly appreciate that. I get a small percentage of that purchase. Costs you nothing. Please, everyone out there today, hopefully, uh, just bookmark that page as your Amazon page. Anytime you buy something, use that thing, and a little bit of that goes towards the show's production. I am going to keep this introduction short because I just got done working here at the office and I want to go home. So, uh, all I got for you is a quote from Mr. Franz Kafka. And Mr. Franz mentions that uh, books to him are the axe for the frozen sea within us. And I think that is just such a beautiful visual of uh, this frozen sea within us. Um, I think it's, in our culture, it is praised to be hard and strong and muscular and contracted and always busy and always jacked up on some stimulant. And uh, we don't end up 
really getting into the unwinding portion and we're kind of just keep on perpetuating our patterns until they get thicker and deeper and stronger and um, I think it would be in our favor to start thinking about various tools that we have to potentially thaw out the frozen iceberg that is these patterns that we've been exacerbating over and over and over again. The axe for the frozen sea within us. I like that. Um, so thanks for reviews on iTunes. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, thanks for telling your friends about the show. Notice ratings have been going up quite a bit in the last like month or so, which is really cool. So obviously people are talking about it. That's awesome. And uh, I think that's probably it. Patreon's a thing you can utilize on the website if you want to donate some, some, some funds towards the show. That's great too. And one quick thing. I am heading off to Boulder, Colorado here in a couple days. And I'll be out there for the week. So if any of y'all are around, kicking about, love to connect. I'll be teaching a three-day workshop at the Ancestral Health Symposium, which will be held, I believe, at Colorado University. And uh, I'll be teaching on self-care and integrating functionality of movement into all aspects of your life. Hope to see you guys there. And here we go. Back to the show with Miss Susan Rowan. Pow. Align Podcast. Something that I think is really crucially important in the realm of networking, again, we were talking about a little bit before the, we, we, well, we technically were recording, <laughs> but before the official start, it was bringing your genuine self to it. I think that the, the networking is almost like a dirty word. You think that you have to be slimy and creeping around and you're know, trying to get something from somebody. I think that being your genuine self, that's the hardest thing for people because we have all these standards and expectations of what we're supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Is that something that it's when you're, when you're thinking about what you're supposed to be doing, that's when you're not even in the room anymore. I think a lot of people find networking difficult, but what I've discovered is they're not really talking about networking. Networking is really different than working a room. Right. Working a room, mingling, socializing, meeting people, that's one thing. The networking is the follow-up, where you stay in touch with, with a person, where you said, hey, I'm going to send you this, and you actually do what you said you were going to do. How about this, when you said you were going to do it? So for all the people that go, oh, I hate networking, what they're really saying is, oh, my gosh, I'm one of the 90% shy, and walking into a room full of people I don't know is uncomfortable. And that is research. It is. And I've written the book. And there's sometimes for me walking into a room, I'm uncomfortable too, because it depends on the vibe of the room. So don't think of it as slimy. I'm going to give everyone another word. Um, a client of mine hired me to speak for his um, insurance firm. And he, he said to me, you know, he grew up in a farm in Michigan. And he said, you know, we had a word for networking on the farm. I go, really? You know, I love words. I said, what's the agricultural term for networking? And he just smiled this wide smile and said, we called it helping. Yeah. So instead of <laughs> thinking, oh, I'm going to go into this room, realize, number one, you're part of the 90% that are shy. Number two, 90% of the people are going to feel the same way. Number three, see this every room as a possibility, an opportunity, because you never know who's there. And then think of it as, I'm going to meet people. I'm going to help them if they need it, and they can help me. It's a two-way street. If you're doing all the helping, that's not 
balanced. Yeah. But go in there to be helpful, to be supportive. Right. Uh, sometimes being supportive is just making sure you go over to the person standing alone and start a conversation. That's not only being strategic. How about that's being kind and thoughtful? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, it's like one of the things that I like to say a lot is is under promise and over return, you know, and another thing is a little mantra is is give freely. You know, it's like those people that if you're able to enter that mindset where it's you're not basing yourself off a scarcity mentality and it's just like, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. Like things are things are okay here. People are attracted to that. But as soon as you go in with the mindset of, I'm going to get something from this, people are so much smarter than we give them credit for. You know, and I think that's the big crucial thing is that we, we, unless you find your genuine self, I think it's going to be very, very challenging to find the right group of friends for one thing, but also really get the most out of each opportunity. Do you, does that make sense or does that sound a little well, bit? Well, so it does. The other thing is, it's also... A, how we approach people. Um, and I'm going to give something that are going to help people find their genuine, kind self. Um, someone shared this with me when I did a, my very first program that was a workshop on how to work room. I did it in Hawaii. It was such a terrible thing to do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sounds horrible. Um, and she said to me, you know, Susan, one of the things I'd like you to share with people is that instead of them thinking about how to make themselves comfortable, this will help all of us find our genuine self and align our behavior with our spine and be yeah. not spineless, but yeah. be mindful yeah. and stand straight and tall. And she said, think of what you can do to make other people comfortable with you. Yeah. When you do that, all of a sudden things change. You do something kind, you extend yourself, you even physically extend yourself with maybe a handshake, you lean into it, and you're being welcoming, warm. That makes people feel that you're paying attention to them, right. that makes them feel comfortable. Then you feel more comfortable, and guess what? You're in a conversation. Yeah. So that would be the tip. Yeah. Don't think of what can I, oops, I'm going to start <coughs> to cough. That's okay. Don't think of what you can do to make yourself comfortable. Think, what can I do to make others comfortable with me? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's basic neurolinguistic programming 101. You know, it's like being able, I don't remember the terms for it exactly, but being able to mirror people. You know, that's something that's like if someone, if you come in and your posture is out here and you're big and strong and proud, you know, and someone else maybe is having a really rough day and they feel a little bit more closed inside, you come in like that, that might make them uncomfortable. You know, you're right. I just read that recently in a piece of research that someone, either that or they made it up on the internet. Which, but <laughs> it's all the it's same. <laughs> you know, we do want to stand straight and tall. We want to take a deep breath. You know, before you walk in the room, there's so many physical things you do. You take a deep breath, let it go slowly, cast your glance around, whatever that room is. It could even be, you know, Pac Bell Park. Or Oracle. I had to get in the Oracle because of, of the because of the San Francisco Golden State Warriors. Um, cast a glance around the room. See where things are. See where people are standing. See where the food is. Where the bar is. Where the desserts are. Look for a couple familiar faces. Once you do that, before you step in the room, you feel more oriented to that room. Yeah. But you're right. 
If you're standing like this and trying to laud it over. Hey, I'm 4'11". You don't need to make me laud it over. I get it, asshole. You're bigger than me. <laughs> you know, I kind of got that. On the other hand, I have a very different feel about the mirroring. Well, I'd rather use what my grandmother and I'm sure her generation of grandmothers would say. Take a hint. Take a hint. If you see someone is standing a little differently, don't laud it over them. Take a hint. Um, I have a friend, <clears throat> and we really separated for about 18 years. I was busy starting my speaking business, traveling around the country and the world. And she was teaching in the San Francisco schools. Then I learned something about that she was really quite sick, and I immediately called her, and we've been together and friends again for the last five years. But I knew that she's very quiet in how she speaks. Right. Is, and you'll, all of us listening to me just heard my tone change. But when I'm with her, I'm still enthusiastic. I'm still supportive. Right. But I try to make her comfortable. However, I'm going to give the cautionary tale. If someone's with you, and this goes with authenticity, because you're vibrant and you're energetic, and then all of a sudden you become like them, then you're not the person they wanted to be with. Right. So it's, it's a... You have to have some balance in that. And I'm saying that as someone who's actually stood on a half, uh, trying to balance. I work half, on my balance all the roller. time. Yeah, the half roller. And, <laughs> what we want to do is really make those people comfortable with us. I once was going to give presentation on the stage of the Giannini Auditorium, six of them for B of A. And one of my friends said, I said, I want, I want to be the speaker in red. I'm 4'11". I always wanted to wear red so people would see me. And all the bankers were wearing navy and gray. And she said, you know, Susan, if you wear red, that's the colors that matadors use to excite people. That wouldn't work well with banking. And I thought about it for a week. I bought a red suit. And then I realized they hired me not to be like them. Exactly. They hired me because of how to work room because they wanted their senior executive VP wanted them to have those skills. So sometimes when we mirror, we've got to be cautious that we're not falling out of alignment. Yeah. But we still want to take it, as my grandmother said, take a hint from people. Yeah. So I should I should redefine the mirroring is is ground zero. From there, it's you don't want to take your car from zero to 100 miles an hour in half a second. The, the bolts might fall off, right? So it's saying, okay, we're coming in, and I'm going to meet you exactly where you're at, or maybe a little bit, you know, I'm going to still stand my ground, but meet you where you're at. And then if I'm at a higher vibration or whatever it is, or I want to kind of guide it towards this direction, then we slowly start to do that. But the first thing is they have to feel comfortable. People feel comfortable with themselves and people that reflect them. Is that, is that okay? I, yeah, I think people generally feel comfortable with themselves, which is why some people do this. They walk into the room, they see who they know, and those are the only people that they talk to because we already know them. I've said this in many <clears throat> of my presentations. We go over to the one person that's the face in the crowd we know, and we'll stay with that person all night, even if we never liked them in the first place. Right. Why? Because comfortable. we're comfortable with yeah. whom we know. I would like everyone listening to, to maybe do that to the beginning, but 
I want you to expand your universe. I want you to increase your contacts. I want you to increase your information. If we always stick with the people we know, we'll always know what we always knew. Well, ooh, that was good. That's I have great. to remember that. Um, what we want to do is talk to people we don't know. Because A, they have extensive networks of people who might have information, ideas, suggestions, leads that you would like. And you're different too. So you bring something wonderful to their table as well. Yeah. So I like, I'd like people to embrace what I consider the number one tip in how to work a room and in my talks. Talk to strangers. Absolutely. Yeah. Not in every neighborhood. Be cautious. But... If you're at a conference, if you're at a meeting, if you're in your local coffee shop, the person next to you, behind you, in, in the next, these are neat people, and this goes back to the roof. I once had a gentleman call into an NPR show I was on, and said, he said to me, when, and he was a little older, first he said, young lady, and I go, whoa, that's a smart man. And then he said that when they were growing up, when they'd go to town to a dance, they had a saying, and this is the gift I'm going to give everyone. The roof is the introduction. That means if you're under the same roof, whether it's a party, a meeting, a conference, whatever, you already have something in common. You don't have to, oh, my God, what do I have in common? You're there together. You might be there for a fundraiser, a political event, a wedding, um, a meeting in your professional association. Start with what you have in common. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned with, you know, originally developing, say, you know, this clinic, Align Therapy, and working hands-on with clients, it's it's very easy for me to contact the people that are like in the circus center and the jujitsu place and the, all the places that I, I go. I'm like familiar with that. It's the places going to the law firm, going to the, you know, the random places that I have no relation to at all. That's all fresh. That's all green. All those people have the potential connections to expand your tribe. And we get wrapped up in our family and our friends, and your tribe never grows because all your friends know your other friends. <laughs> that's true. And that's so interesting because having grown up with the concept of the 12 tribes, which I actually have um, hanging in my hallway, it's like, yeah, I know my tribe. It's the tribe of Levi. But knowing who your people are and I, you know what tribe is just another word for network and it could be your family network your school network your friend network you can give it any fancy name you want but you know my peeps yes. know who you know <laughs> every time i say peeps i think of that easter bunny That's little what, sugary thing it was like not that i'm it's not i don't mean that at all it's the devil the peeps <laughs> yeah um like they're like Twinkies. They yeah. have a shelf life that's you know more longer than Methuselah. And if you don't know who Methuselah is, that's why we have Google. And, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> I was a teen years, and I thought I'd never say this because my teachers always said it to us. I can't tell you how many times I said, "Look it up." Right. Exactly. It does. And now you can watch a television show and people go, I'll just check Google. Right. Folks, we are so close to finding something. Most of the times we can find it on our phone, which has dictionaries. Um, but anyway, the idea is the, the peeps that we have, the tribe, the network, call it what you will. What you want is to expand. You want to 
and this is what I learned 30-something years ago from my femtor, who made up the word, Sally Livingston, you want to cast a wide net, and that's not any different than spreading your arms out and be welcoming to a bigger group of people. But people will introduce you to their friends, but here's the tip, not how to work room, but in savvy networking, it's you have to ask and you have to help. So when people invite you into their network, you must also share your network with them when it's appropriate. Someone says, oh, gee, I'm looking for a graphic artist. Oh, gosh, I got the perfect person. My friend said, gee, I lost weight. I need an alteration person. I said to her, here's her card. I took a picture of it. Here's her phone number. Here's her address. She remodeled my clothes. Be someone who's happy to refer and expand other people's lives. I And I think that's, if you're not that, get that skill. <laughs> you know, I wonder about networking, and I think it there has a lot to do with this, is our, from our evolution. You know, evolutionary biology of being a part of the tribe. It's interesting that now in today's modern age, we have our network is becoming our computer or becoming you know, our cell phone or whatever it is. And I think that's highly toxic if that's your if you all of a sudden your only friend becomes a computer because you know, you become your your reality, your environment. If your environment is a computer, that's gonna create conflict. Uh, but I, I wonder if <laughs> hopefully that's not going too far off the deep end. But the, the with spreading your network, do you think that there's health implications to that for you, for your your psychology and your like? What are your you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's the research. It's the, all the research says the people who age gracefully, the people who have better lives, people who are more balanced, are the people who have social relationships whether it's family, friends. I, I once read something from UCLA is that people who had a group of friends that they saw regularly had fewer colds as they age, right. fewer colds. And someone explained to me, when you're around people, you have a little more immunity buildup. But when you're not around people, then you get around people then you don't have the immunity, so you catch the cold. So I just thought that was an interesting, and it was UCLA, which I'm going, well, that's important. Almost, I mean, so many different universities have done this research. You can look it up. Social networks increase the quality and the quantity of people's lives. Right. You know, people will so, say to me, I remember years ago, and I was doing a class at, at NYU. I taught there um, every year for... 12 years. Well, I have 500 friends. Okay, I don't know that they love this one. I said, oh, actually, you have none. Right. Because if you don't have someone that you can call in the middle of the night and say, I fell, I think I broke my arm, right. or I was skateboarding and I twisted my ankle, could you take me to the hospital? If you don't have the people that you can sit across the table from, the people you can pick up a phone and call when something is awry, you don't have friends. So I would really say, I love Facebook. I love the friends that I've stayed in touch with. I just found out that one of, he also sent me the email, one of my good friends, they just had their third son. I saw it on Facebook. I also saw it on the email. But I was able on Facebook, because that was the first place he put it, to, oh, congratulations, and, you know, send a message. Yeah. 
But if all you're doing is Facebook, Instagram, um, uh, Snapchat, LinkedIn, you're missing the boat. Yeah. One of the things is if you're between jobs and all you're doing is looking online, you're missing the boat because they have said that still in all, 30 years later from when I started doing career counseling, so many of the positions available are not even put in print, but you'll find them right. out people so that they the the 80% of the hidden job market. Well, there's me sounding very Chicago going, really? How about talk to people? Yeah. I sometimes tell people, I think I'm going to be going to Chicago. I'm going Chicago on you where I go. Yeah. Pick up the phone, call somebody. But if you're not showing up in person at your local chamber, your local um, rotary, your local restaurant, your local coffee shop, you're missing the boat of all those wonderful people who will connect with you, share conversation, maybe a cup of coffee, who will really want to help you and you will want to help them. So I'm all about the face-to-face. -face. In fact, I even wrote face-to-face, -face, how to reclaim the personal touch in a digital world. Yeah. And that goes back to what you said. If your only relationship is with your smartphone or your iPad or your computer, yeah. Time to get out into the public, kids. Yeah, it's the sustainability of the relationships and the sustainability of your career and all that. It's sustainability, it's a new hot word, you know, solar panels and all that. It's like also with your general health, I think. You know, and if you are if you are building your foundation on bubblegum and sticks with 6,000 Facebook friends and you think that that's reality, um, the floor could fall through. You know, you're building upon inflation and it's, and it's trouble. There's something, there's something that I think that, that people, a lot of people listening, I'm sure they don't have necessarily, what's up, mouth open, what's, what do you got? I know, because I just came up with that as you were talking about the matchstick and I have to write this down because this on. is good and I'm gonna trademark it. Your Ponzi scheme of friends. I mean, it's like a Ponzi scheme. It's exactly. like, there's no there there. It's the right. emperor's not wearing clothes. Right. And we need both. We need those distant people, because sometimes the distant people, you know, are third level out, our friend of a friend of a friend, or a cousin of a cousin of a cousin. We'll know of the job, we'll know of the client, we'll know of some information. But if you don't have the close ones, you're missing the real supportive aspect. But I love what you said about, I was thinking about um, the old nursery rhyme of the house made of sticks, you know, blow right. the house down. Right, the wool, yeah, yeah. House yeah. of cards. Right. You know, so something, a lot of people listening, I'm sure, are not living in a place where they feel like, well, this conversation's if you live in New York City or San Francisco or LA or something like that. This doesn't necessarily look to me because I just live in a small town. Um, is there, what's your sense on that? Because now it's, small town is becoming earth. Like we kind of are able to relate to the world, kind of like you and I are doing right now. <laughs> you know? I think that so much, and I look at it another way. I think this whole concept of networking, like my late friend PJ, who said it's helping, who grew up in a small town and on a farm. I think what we're all trying to do is capture the support of the small town, yeah. where everybody you know knows everybody you know. And here's the word that I use instead of sustainability, scaling, leveraging, strategizing. Right. It's community. So if you have contacts and you make a connection, 
you have a community. By the way, we all have different communities. Like I have my community of people who love ballet. And then I have my comedy club community. And then I have my, and I am from Chicago, my deep dish pizza eating community. <laughs> no, no laugh. My last birthday, I had a big bash at the local place near my house. Big birthday. It was Chicago style deep dish pizza. And I gave it a title. It's the, it was the pay for your own deep dish pizza party. Nice. People haven't been to a pizza party since they were like 17. So I did something fun, but I brought in my upbringing. So even in big cities, what we're still looking for is that sense of community that a small town has. And that's what that, um, that tribe is. Yeah. Know who you adore, but it's not just one group. We have different groups for different things. Plus, I would add this, yeah. and this is how the way I was raised. I was very lucky. I had all my four grandparents growing up. Your tribe is not all your own age. We all need people older than us, and we need people younger than us. Here's why I need, like, 10-year-olds, so I can have a Snapchat lesson. I mean, it's like, right. okay, you're a digital native. You can teach me this. And I can teach you how to write a thank you note. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's the, the rule of, I don't know if this is called the rule of 33, but I, I like this rule of having 33% of the people in your reality, uh, you know, your heroes in, in some way, 33% of the people being at your level and 33% people being people that you teach. You know, and keeping that, that balance with everything because you learn as a teacher, you learn as a student, and you relax as a, you know, normal <laughs> but yeah it is a pure but you know what here here's the thing you just said that i think is brilliant that i want all of our listeners to get if you go everywhere with the oh i'm gonna learn something and, and it could be a little thing it's like all of a sudden i was talking to someone who said something about uh solar panels i'm like i didn't know that the words that we don't like to say but i say all the time when someone teaches me something I didn't know, I go, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How powerful is that for right. someone to hear you admit you didn't know something till they told you? You don't even have to give them a compliment. That is the compliment. But I think also we got to start saying thank you. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's, that's liberating, that feeling. It's like if you can put your cards on the table and say, Oh, dang, I didn't know that. You know, it's like people are like, oh, wow, that means I can be myself. I can, I can be truthful with the things that I don't. I don't necessarily, we don't need to be dancing back and forth, both wearing masks. Like how long does it take to, for both of us to take the mask off? I think that's the indicator of, of, a, of a real networker or someone that's real, like a real socialite, someone that's able to make everyone feel comfortable to take their guard down so that we can all just be here together, really be together. Right. And you know what? You just said something really important. And that is, and it goes back to what I said about making other people comfortable with you. If something happened, it's like I did this. <laughs> I did this thing and I said to someone, oh my gosh, I did the dumbest thing. Well, okay. So the light that's on now over the screen, when I turned it on for another podcast, it, it didn't go on. I go, oh, no, the bulb has to be changed. And I'm 411. And I called a friend and I said, oh, you have to come over here and change the bulb. Well, he gets up because, well, the fixture, which is like from 
the 60s. He goes, it's awfully filthy. So he cleaned it, which was good. And then he said, this bulb doesn't look burnt out. Tested it in another lamp and it was fine. And then I realized, oh my gosh, when I went to Spain, I pulled all the plugs out from the outlets like they tell you to. I forgot to put the plug in. Yeah, the lamp was fine. So I made someone come here to help me. And it was my fault. And so I tell people that story of like, that slipped my mind. And it's on me. And I said, well, there is good news. Now my fixture is clean. And it, now it's even brighter. Right. But you tell these stories like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. People like that. And, but here's, I will give you the caution I had from my speech coach, Dawn Bernhardt, many years ago. She knows I have a sense of humor that is self-deprecating. And I want all of us to figure out this balance, and you'll figure it out for yourself. She said to me, Susan, she also told me, I never have to help you come up with a remark, because you are so good at that, we have to rein you in, you know. But she said, the caution about self-deprecation is if all of our humor is aimed at ourselves, and we make ourselves look too foolish, too whatever, other people will say, well, I don't know, why would I hire someone that's made so many mistakes? So again, we want to put that in balance. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's, I think that in relation to people, something that I think is important is so many people are shy. Right. And I think that we, we end up have we end up putting ourselves in these positions where we think like, I need to be this way. I need to be this thing, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of value in really embracing what you are naturally good at, what you're naturally comfortable with. You know, sometimes it's like I don't seem introverted at all, but I'm quite introverted. You know, I spend a lot of time by myself kind of just going in. And I think that that is where the value comes from. You know, I think oftentimes people end up always, I got to go, I got to be here, I got to be there, I got to, uh, network, network, network. It's like, and they're, and they're pushing themselves out so much that they never went in to grab something to bring back to the tribe. That's interesting. Um, what you describe, and it was an, oh, there, again, you can look this up. I had someone say this to me, and it was a wonderful expression the whirling dervish flurry of activity. <laughs> right. And the whirling dervishes, I believe that it was um, Eastern, might be sick, I'm not sure, but being a whirling dervish exhausts people. And I will say this, when my, the first time I had my speech coach come to a presentation, I learned this from her. She said to me, Oh my goodness, there was so much energy. And I'm thinking she was going to say, you're fabulous. Look at all that energy. And then she paused and she said, you exhausted me. <laughs> she said, well, you're kidding. I she said, Susan, you must, when you give a presentation, pause, step back, change your demeanor. Yeah. She said, because you give so much information you need to give people a time to absorb it. Yeah. Vary your voice, vary your pace, vary your volume. And by that same token, vary your activity. Here's the other thing. If someone shows up at every single event and has that same whirling dervish activity, sometimes you need to pick and choose where you need to be yeah. or you're too visible and that looks like you have no place to go. 
-hmm. you're always out there. Does that make sense to yeah, you? It's yeah. pick and ch pick and choose. And you mentioned the introvert. I think the book Quiet has prompted a lot of people to call themselves introverts. Here's what I would like to say. Yes, I know about the research in shyness. It was done here at the Stanford Clinic. 90% of us self-identify as shy. That doesn't mean we are, but we think we are. I would like us, and this is the Susan Rowan mantra, to lose the labels. Exactly. Don't label me, and I won't label you. And I say that as a former teacher who refused to read what other teachers wrote about my sixth grade students because I didn't want to be prejudiced by what right. they, their interactions. And you know what? I started with a clean slate with these sixth grade kids in the Cabrini Green homes in Chicago. I wouldn't read it. And I didn't have the problems other teachers did. Yeah, I think that, yes, yeah, so I've been pondering on the effects of the public school system or any school system for that matter. And I feel as though you could consider it to be a form of violence in a sense, because it's damaging to children to be sitting in place in a collapsed, folded up position all day long. I think that we also, there's a lot of potential things that happen there where insecurities end up popping up and there's... During that really precious time of development for children, I think it's important that they learn how to be expressive humans, that they learn how to network, they learn how to be a part of a tribe. Instead, we drill facts and information into them. And now we're entering this world where information is infinite. We can type anything in the Google machine. What we need from human beings is creativity and self-expression and uprightness. You, know? you never taught grammar school, did you? <clears throat> no, but I have taught in school. Child, you never taught no. grammar school. I can tell you, you do not want 36 graders in self-expression at the same time. <laughs> Trust me, it would be like a mini war room. I already know this. Right. But there is something back in Chicago. A lot of classes stopped going outside to recess around May. And... Um, I remember that's when I started and we'd do baseball. And I remember the assistant principal saying, ha, ha, and this is alignment. Yeah. I remember him saying, I don't understand what happened. At first you had some difficulty and now these kids love you and they're, they're you know, you're, you're a, a team and you're a classroom. What did you do? And I'm going to give this to you. I've never talked about this before in a podcast. That's great. When I was teaching at the Cabrini Green Homes in what was really the bad old days, I remember, and they were bad, they were terrible. I remember one day waking up and thinking, hmm, I tried to imitate the teacher next door. I thought they liked her. And then one day, one of the kids said, could you please lock the door? We don't want her to come in. Really? I thought you loved her. And then they all said, oh no, we don't like her at all. I was imitating her. And that day I said, you know what, let me be me. My quirky sense of humor, my, you know, Chicago, whatever. From that day forward, the whole atmosphere changed. Awesome. It was, and because it was humor and, beca and because there was uh, whatever I brought to the table. I remember if a kid did something, I'd say, God help you if you do that again. I realized that's what my mother and father said to me. We even believed in different gods. But you know how we say the things? But the children heard things that sounded similar to what grandma would say or a great aunt or mom and dad. 
they were cohesive. Yeah. I decided to stop being like the teacher who used to be Sister Eleanor. It was the biggest tip-off I had, and I can even remember all these years later, the boy who sat in the fourth row, second seat, and said, please don't let her in. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, I, I, I love that. And because I think, you know, it's like when you look at, at young kids, one of the, one of the indicators that they, they feel safe at home is their willingness to wander out into the world and be themselves and be weird and maybe, you know, be away from the house for seven hours. And it's not a big deal because they know they have that safety. They have that foundation to come back to, you know, but it's like the question is, and we as adults, we're just big babies. You know, it's like we're carrying all the same crap. You know, so it's, it's, I think that there's another aspect to this networking and socializing and being connected with the community and all that of finding your own safety and, and making other people feel safe. You just hit a real important word. It's something I heard from my best friend, who's a CPA, Lana Teplick, when she talked to me about, I said to her, you know, I don't think, and this was a number of years, I don't think I want to invite this person to my then birthday dinner in the last century, but that's another story. And she said, I don't think you feel emotionally safe with her. Right. And then I was listening to an interview on, I love Fareed Zakaria on CNN, and he was interviewing a gentleman who wrote a book on how to create a team, and they did big studies at Google. They even studied SNL. Why is SNL successful for 40 years? And they talked about how Lorne Michaels creates a team as a team leader. And the one word they said was feeling psychologically safe. And that's what, if we walk into a room where we make people feel safe, we will feel safer. But I think what you just said is a very important key. And here's, I'm going to give the disclaimer. If you have friends, uh, I'm using the little quotation marks, or people in your life or network who really challenge that emotional safety, I would suggest you distance from them. Anyone that you leave, and the woman I called Mumsy, once said to me, and this was brilliant, she said, Susan, you must never hang out with anyone who you have to think for one minute of what they meant by what they said. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Did you have anything more with that? Uh, that's what she said. And then, um, it, but that to me was the best quote. And it was, we have to also clean out our networks. Yeah. Uh, I recently had that happen because of my party where a friend came, a friend of two decades came and literally said she was leaving 20 minutes later. I was so shocked so betrayed, so offended. Mm. And I said, how could you do this? You know, and I was very clear. And I don't even think I had nothing planned to say because I never expected it. And I realized someone who would come in and turn around and leave. And then I went back and go, but this person did this. Oh, I remember when I didn't feel so good when she said that. I remember that she made a crack at my expense to a weight person, and I thought, huh, done. Yeah. So we also want to, and I have the sign in my in my office, 
what's let go of leaves room for what's to become. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe it's Bruce Lee talked about this. Everybody clever talked about this, you know, reducing out any of the superfluous aspects of your life. You know, it's not about addition, it's about subtraction. You know, this is one of my favorite quotes, I'm just keep on hitting quotes, is Michelangelo. He said, I, I saw an angel in the marble and I chiseled until I set it free. Yes, I, re I remember that quote. And, that's, and, and that has another aspect. You may walk into a room and see someone that isn't, quote, dressed for success or isn't what you would consider, uh, if you looked at them outright, you'd say, hmm, this is one of the Susan Rowan tenets. It's in all my books, and it's in my philosophy and my presentations. Don't judge tomorrow's book by today's cover. Yeah, yeah that's great. Even in yourself. Even in yourself. You never know. You never know. I've had people there was a book out a number of years ago, people can tell about you in four seconds. You can't tell squat about me in four seconds. Oh, you may know you don't like my hair, my outfit. You may not like my nail polish. You might not like what I, how I laugh and what I laugh at. But in four seconds, you're making a snap judgment that could backfire because you don't know who I know, who I'm related to, sure. who I can introduce you to. You know nothing. Four seconds, even four minutes. Right. Not enough. Yeah, that should be, I'm not sure if that's a part of, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, but I, it should be. You know, be nice to everybody. You never know. <laughs> you know? It's part of the Ten Commandments. And what I'm going to send you, so everyone can see this in the uh, notes from this, I'm going to send you the last chapter of How to Work a Room to post on your site. Yeah, great. I came up with this when I wrote that book in 1987. And this is now the fourth iteration, the Silver Anniversary issue, and I tweaked the Ten Commandments a little. I had the Ten Commandments of connecting and communicating. Awesome. And being nice to everyone is on there. So I'm going to send that to you so everyone could get access to it. Yeah, I love that. That's, that'd be great. You know, it's like getting back, one of the things was running out of time. Um, I definitely want to talk about how to raise the standards for yourself. You know, it's like there's so many people. It's kind of like not judging your own book by tomorrow's cover or what. You know, it's, it's not judging your own book by today's it's, cover. It's like what your potential of the future is. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in our own personal ruts. You know, it's like how can we raise our own standards? You know, one of the things I wrote down, I was thinking about yesterday, is, is volunteering to raise my raise myself standards. By you know, it's like so by doing things like 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 going entering into a conversation with people that maybe make me nervous you know the podcast that is a pill for me it's a medicine doing a workshop that's medicine doing putting yourself in signing up for these things that you need to show up to that will raise your standard which eventually i think will raise your tribe your potential social circle the people that kind of want you you know here's one thing that i would share if you feel uncomfortable at doing any of this, go to your local, whether it's a venue that does stand-up comedy or a local community college, yeah, yeah. and look for a class on um, acting yeah. or improvisation. Yeah. My, my, my brother did that with my niece, very, very shy. They signed her up for an acting class, the blossoming. 
So if you, that improv, and I know a lot of, I come from Chicago, Second City, a lot of companies, corporations, associations hire one of the Second City teams to do improvisation with them. So that's one thing you can do. The other thing is, you have to think of what is the worst thing that could happen. I go, I signed up for this event. Will you be clawed by a bear? No, not unless you're in bear country. Unlikely at your local restaurant that there's going to be a bear there. Um, the worst thing that can happen is absolutely nothing. Maybe you signed up, maybe you only stayed a half an hour, maybe you only talked to one person. That one person could be a gold mine of information, ideas, support. You never know. Let's say nothing happened. You think you wasted three hours. Really, three hours is this much in the bucket. But if you go places, oh, I'll give you how we can do this. This was by, it was taught to me by a woman who was in one of my presentations in San Francisco. She and her husband used to go to the chamber in their area. Eh, I wonder who we're going to get to meet. They were in business together. And one day, they didn't want to go. And Aaron, they did. And they met three people. They had a great time, great conversations, lots of laughter. So bring your sense of humor to wherever you go. Yeah. And they realized, well, I don't know if we're going to do business with the people, but it made them want to go back the next time. And they, uh, the she and her husband are also business partners, and they had a conversation. They said, I think this will do, we're going to do this at every event. Every time they now go to an event to market, promote, connect, m mingle, work room, they go and they actually say out loud, I wonder who we're going to get to meet. Yeah, right, 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 right. Language. Language, attitude, tone, and they always meet fabulous people. Some turn into business, some they give business to, they recommend some to them. So that's the way to do it. RSVP and show up. And by the way, I am old school. When you get an invitation and it asks you to RSVP, look at your calendar, RSVP, and then if you said you were going to go, you must go. People order food for a certain amount of people. And when your name tag is there, X amount of time is a no-show, you stop getting invited. Yeah, awesome. So that <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So as far as just funny out on, uh, as far as worst case scenario, things that can happen, I have had an anxiety attack before. Yeah. <laughs> where I thought I was going to die. Oh, I had it happen. I went to an event. And literally nobody talked to me. I'm like, what did I write on page 215? Right. Nobody talked to me. Yeah. The, and the ones that did, the, I, ugh, I didn't like them. Luckily, it was at my friend's house. It was business consultants. And it was back in the years that the San Francisco 49ers were in the Super Bowl. and Or there was a playoff game right in San Francisco. I said, I'd love to stay, but if I stay very much longer, I'm going to get caught in the game traffic. Excuse me, but I think I need to leave. And I hightailed it out of there. Perfect. If you're really uncomfortable, if you see that the room is not working, and you've tried everything, and you've gone over and stood in the periphery of X amount of groups, and no one's being nice, or what they talk about just sounds so offensive. It's not serving you. Not serving you. Yeah. And it's not serving them because you're looking at them, and I know I'm an eye roller. Uh, I don't want them to see me rolling my eyes. Then you leave. Yeah. But you leave with a big smile. 
you thank the host because you never know what's going on and what's going to happen next. So I want to give everyone the Susan Rowan marketing phrase. You never know. And I mean that we have, we have to wrap up my, my next question is, is where do people find you? But wait, by not serving you, I mean that in the most altruistic, genuine, selfless mm -hmm. way possible. I mean, if you are putting, it's like if you're, if the plane's going down, you know, it's like, put your gas mask on so you can help other people. If you're in some place that's not serving you, go someplace else where you can be served and you can serve. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So where do people find you? And uh, your book is a, it's a perennial classic, you know, is everyone I probably already has read it. But if they haven't, they should go check it out. Like where do people find your find your work? Okay, how to work a room is in your local bookstores. And I'm going to make a pitch for your if you have an independent bookstore, if they don't have it on the shelf, they can get it for you give your business to <coughs> your local community. That's part of your tribe. Right. Come to SusanRowan.com, S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E.com. Excuse me. I don't sell the book, but I have a. You can hit a, a link and you can go to places that do. Cool. If you want me as a speaker, hire me. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Susan, if you have a question based on anything we said, email me. We'll come up with a solution. Susan at SusanRowan.com. Cool. I love it. Thank and you so you, much. No, I want to give you one more thing. Oh, keep burning, going. burning question that you need an immediate answer. Get your pens and pencils. 415-461-3915. I'm calling, Call you, right, calling you right now. I'm going to prank, prank call you in a minute. All right. Thank you, so, thank, you, thank you so much. It was really, really fun to get to chat with you. And uh, I will be frequenting San Francisco. So uh, look oh, forward well, to hopefully seeing you out there. That would be great. Sounds terrific. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.